What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. You know, we can see Naomi, she turns, she looks into the eyes of Ruth, you know, she did the Jewish way. You know, she might have taken Ruth's hands in her face like this and looked at her and said, my daughter. And then she would have turned her face and kissed her on the cheek with a wet kiss. And by Naomi calling her my daughter, Naomi was saying to Ruth, listen, Ruth, everyone here may call you Ruth the Moabitess, but not me. I call you Ruth my daughter. And Naomi could look back at Ruth and say, you know, I never had a daughter but I've got one now. I've got a wonderful daughter, Ruth, my daughter. And we can imagine Ruth then looking, looking at Naomi and saying, you know, that means a lot to me, Naomi, my mother. Oh, this is such a wonderful thing. It reminds me of when the Lord Jesus Christ looked at his disciples, this change in, in calling. And in John 15, 15, he says, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you. See, what he was saying is say, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. He could look at Peter and he could say, Peter, my friend. He look at John and he say, John, my friend. And he looks at you. He looks at me today and he calls our name out and he says, my friend. That's wonderful. Just like Naomi looked at Neruth and said, my daughter, so now, in verse four, we see something very interesting where it says, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him, the Lord bless thee. See, in verse four, this is interesting for us because we ask the question, who is Boaz talking to? Who is he addressing in verse four? The reapers. Boaz is speaking to the reapers. Boaz, the landlord, is addressing the reapers. It's interesting because in verse five, it shows that Boaz is addressing this person who is the servant over his reapers. See, he's speaking to the servant over his reapers. So the servant over the reapers, that's a manager. That's a foreman. That's a supervisor. That's Anyway, 
That's the person who Boaz normally speaks to when he wants to say something to the reapers. That's the way it is. So we would not expect Boaz here to be speaking to the reapers because he's got a foreman. He's got a servant who is set over the reapers. That's the one. See, it's not by accident that the word of God tells us that this servant twice, it says he's set over the reapers. But in verse four, Boaz is speaking to the reapers. And so then they say, why is Boaz communicating directly to the reapers? Because in work, it's, it, it, this is, you don't do this. This is confusion. If Boaz gives directions directly to the reapers, and then he expects the servant overset over the reapers to, to manage them, and then he's got to go and say, well, what did you tell them to do? I mean, so you don't do it that way. So when it came to work, Boaz respected the chain of command, and he worked through his manager's servant, his foreman, his set over the reapers. Why does Boaz now? Speaking then directly to the reapers in verse 4 because he's not talking to them about work in verse four. He, what he's speaking to them is a fellow believer. He's a fellow believer. And Boaz understands, look, as far as work is concerned, I, Boaz, am over you. But Boaz knows, before God, I'm equal with you. And therefore, he speaks to them as a fellow believer without seeing himself as above them. You know, that picture that means a lot to me. It's so precious. You know, Boaz speaking to the reapers as one of their equals, it teaches us how the ground is all level at the foot of the cross. They're, 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 at the foot of the cross, everyone meets there as sinners in need of a Savior. At the foot of the cross, there are no first-class seats. There's no bleaching. At the foot of the cross, everyone confesses they're a sinner worthy of hell. At the foot of the cross, everyone pleads with the Lord Jesus Christ to have chesed, have mercy on me. Don't send me to hell. Show me ken, show me grace by remembering me when you come into your kingdom so I can be with you in your kingdom. That's what Paul meant in Galatians 3, 26 through 29 when he said, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So by speaking directly to the reapers God, that God should be with them, Boaz is saying that in Jehovah Jesus, there are no landlords and reapers, and we're all one in Jehovah Jesus. And Paul also put this non-class distinction in the Lord Jesus Christ in Colossians 3, 10 through 12, when he says, you know what we've done? We've put on a new man, renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created us, where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the, bow, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, suffering, long-suffering. See, by addressing the reapers directly for God to be with them, Boaz is showing humbleness of mind. So that reminds me how in, in, in 2006, 
when, our, when, at our, when at our manufacturing plant in Tecate, Mexico, I think I may have told you this, I met with about 100 assemblers there. We just started, we just in, went into our new building, and you know, uh, so we pull them all aside and, and, uh, we, and I talked to them. Assemblers are the entry level. And at that meeting, I wanted them to know, I wanted them to know me. I wanted to bear my heart to them. So what I did is I, I told them how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ. I told them about my past and what a terrible sinner I was. I told them about the defilement and the filthiness and the dirt of my heart and how I came to the Lord Jesus Christ from all that sin and defilement. And Deanna Huerta, she was there, and she was translating all this into me, translating all this for Spanish, into Spanish. So I'd say some sentences, and then I'd stop, and you know, Deanna would translate them into Spanish. And, and then if I said too many sentences, she'd maybe know that, so I wouldn't say so many sentences, which I can do sometimes. Anyway, so, so I did this. And I remember how you know, I was speaking, you know, and Deanna's translating, and I remember how the assemblers just kind of just stared at me, you know, <laughs> and then with amazement, you know, this astonishment. And then I finished my talk, and I waited for them to applaud, you know, not because I want applause, but in Mexico, everyone always applauds for everything, you know, they're always applauding. And I remember no one applauded. And I thought, uh-oh, I said something wrong. So <laughs> I turned to Diana, I said, okay, what did I say that was wrong? And she said, they're just not used to a company president telling them that he's a defiled sinner. <laughs> but that was good, because that was a message I wanted to come across. Because at the foot of the cross, all the ground's level. I'm like them, defiled sinner. I gotta come to Christ. They need to come to Christ also. So from verse four, we saw that those were the words that Boaz spoke when he spoke to the reapers. Good words when he said, the Lord bless thee. And whenever a person like Boaz, especially in his position, he says words like, the Lord bless thee, immediately there's a question that comes in everybody's mind. They go, uh-huh. So does his life back up his words? Let's just have a look here. Are those just words that Mr. Boaz is speaking there? Or does he have a life that really reflects that he wants the Lord to be with others? Hey, Boaz says, the Lord be with you. That sounds so spiritual. But does Boaz really have a life that shows that he cares about others? That's a challenge for us. Does our walk match our talk? See, that question of whether the words of Boaz in verse four is backed up by his life is answered for us in verse five when he says, then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, whose damsel is this? Here we see Boaz, he's taking notice of a needy person who's come into his field. See, in verse five, we see he, he, he not only cares about his reapers, and he's not only caring about them looking after their welfare, but he sees this needy person. Now, why was Boaz out looking for a needy person? Because the answer is, is that he's on the look for a needy person, and that guides, that guides us, is why we should be on the lookout for a needy person. See, the answer to the question of why be on the lookout for a needy person is found when the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 22, 16 through 21, when he said, it says, and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians. These are his enemies. His enemies have sent to the Lord Jesus Christ their disciples and these group of people called the Herodians. 
saying, Master, we know that thou art true, and teach us the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? And Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt me, ye hypocrites? Show me a tribute money. They brought it to him a penny. He saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? They said unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things that are, which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. See, here was a situation. This was a situation with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's being set up here. He's being set up by his enemies. They sent him these, the Herodians. Who were they? Well, they were people who aligned themselves with Herod and, and, and his wickedness. And they were especially crafty in their arguments. And they were, they were professional arguers. Well, I, I run into some of those sometimes. And this reminds me of an, a Jewish Orthodox man who he's got all the arguments against any prophecy that leads to Jesus as being the Messiah. And he's, he's already talked to two of our missionaries, or missionaries and frustrated them, so they pass them on to me. See, his normal job is accounting. And lately, he's been, I've been talking to him, he's just so excited to go through, he wants to say, oh, I can't, and he wants to go through the Daniel 9 timeline. And I listen to him, and oh, he's got all these calculations. And he comes to the conclusion that Jesus cannot be the Messiah. So, rather than to argue about his calculations, I say, you know, in our last conversation, I asked him, I said, you ever try to balance a checkbook and have not balance? He said, oh, yeah, it happens to me all the time. I said, well, you know what finally comes down to? Your calculations were wrong. And then I told him, I said, I just had a terrible scene in my mind that I don't want to be a reality. And the scene is of you dying and standing before the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord God Almighty, and you're being cast off into hell, and as you're sailing through the sky, you're yelling, my calculations were off. Well, like my friend, these Herodians were professional arguers, and they were sent for one purpose, to entangle the Lord Jesus in his own words. And see, so, so you know, they're lined up with, the, with Herod, they're lined up with the Roman government, so they start off with deceit and trickery. They call him master, and then they compliment him by saying that whatever he says is true, and he teaches the way of God truly, and he doesn't change his teaching to be more politically correct for any man. He doesn't change his teaching to not offend any particular person, like Herod. And so those are the words were set up for his question, which was, so tell us, what do you think? Give tribute to Caesar, paying him taxes or not? And the Lord saw right through them. He saw right through them. He, see, what he, he saw wickedness. And he saw hypocrisy. And he saw tempters. And his answer not only stopped in their tracks and rebuked them, but his answer leads us. It guides us. See, he asked them, he says, okay, bring me a Roman coin. So he said, now let everybody take a look at this. And tell me whose image, whose name is embedded on this coin. And they said, that's Caesar. He says, okay. So you give the things to Caesar to Caesar, and things to God that are God. See, when we read that, we cheer, and we say, that was great. That sure put them down. That stopped their mouth of wickedness. But his answer goes a little bit beyond that. It carries beyond that. When he asked them to look carefully at the coin, 
he used a word to identify Caesar, and it was the word image. He told him, look carefully at the coin and see whose image this is. Image is a word that was used in two verses to describe how God made man. In Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. They should have dominion over the fish, the fowl, the cattle, earth, creepers. And then the next verse in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. Lots of emphasis on image in those verses. Created him, male and female. Emphasis. And man in our image, after our likeness, in, our own, in his own image, in the image of God. So when Jesus Christ, when the Lord Jesus Christ told those Herodians, Herodian, Herod, Herod, whatever they are, he says, uh, look carefully at that coin and see the image of Caesar. And when you see that, you will recognize that coin belongs to Caesar. You treat that coin according to its owner. In the same way, we hear the Lord Jesus Christ saying to us, look carefully at every person, whether he's rich, whether he's poor, and see the image of God recognize that that person belongs to God, like that coin belongs to God, like that coin has Caesar's image. See God's image on that person. He's been created by God. And, and therefore, the coin belongs to Caesar, the person belongs to God. And if that person is lost, bring that person back to its owner, to God. And if that person is saved, encourage that person to get closer to his owner, which is God. So what we're to do with the needy is what Boaz did with the needy. Look carefully. See the image of the creator on that person, and that person, see that person is owned by God. And that's what Boaz did when he saw a needy Moabitess in his field. In fact, in verse 5, Boaz asked about the needy Moabite. It's very significant because the reapers, you know, they're working for Boaz. You know, so somebody might say, oh, well, of course Boaz cares about the reapers. I mean, look how they're making money for him. They're benefiting him. So, you know, if the reapers are happy, they're taking care of them, then they'll, they'll make more money for Boaz. They're going to work harder. They're going to benefit Boaz. You know, what goes around comes around. It's all just kind of like right in a big little circle there. And that's true. But here we see Boaz showing true love for the needy. Why is this true love? True love, or agape's love, God's agape love, is to do good for someone who has no ability to pay you back. That's what love is. See, when Boaz asked this question in verse 5, Boaz had all the intention of helping this needy woman, and Boaz knew that the giving would be in one direction, from Boaz to this needy woman. And Boaz expected nothing in return from this poor woman. That's an example to us. That's Boaz. He's he'd be an example to us. We should seek out the needy and give them and do them with no expectation that they're ever going to pay us back. Why should we do this? Why should, be, why should we be like Boaz, give to a person who has no ability to give it back to us? Because God asked us to. And all throughout the Bible, for example, David, king of Israel, he showed us what a good man looks like. In Psalm 112, verse 5 through 10, he said, A good man shows mercy, sorry, shows favor and lendeth 
and he will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance, and he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid when, until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He hath dispersed and given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. See, he tells us this is what a good man looks like. He's a person who shows favor. He lends to the poor. He scatters to the poor. And when a person does this, we're told, God says, I see that, and I'll make sure that if you do that, you won't be moved forever. I'll make sure that you're kept in everlasting remembrance. I'll make sure you're not afraid. I'll make sure you'll be exalted with honor. We want that? Yeah, we want that. Those are good things. We want those things. See, Moses pleaded with the Jewish people. And it's interesting because he speaks about two parts of the body symbolically when he pleads with them in Deuteronomy 15, 7 through 11. He says, if there be among you a poor man, one of thy brethren with any of the gates of thy land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not harden thine heart, first place. Don't harden your heart, nor shut thy hand, second, from thy poor brother. But thou shalt open thy hand wide unto him and shall surely lend him sufficient for his need in that which he wanteth. Beware that thou be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, you know, the seventh year, I've done my calculations, the year of release is at hand, thine eye be evil against thy poor brother. Thou shalt surely give him, thine heart shall not be grieved when thou givest unto him. Oh, I gotta give you, but boy, I don't like it. Because for this thing, the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works and in all that thou puttest thy hand unto. The poor shall never cease out of thy land. Therefore I command thee, saying, thou shalt open thine hand wide unto thy brethren. You're not like this. Listen up. But that much. And to, the, and to the poor and needy in thy land. See, the word of God says, when you see a poor person, the very first thing you should do, check your heart. He said, look at your heart. Make sure you have got hard toward that, against that person's need. God calls our hearts wicked. And he says, he calls us, make sure that there's no thought in our wicked heart to not give and not help that poor person. Then it says the next thing we are to do is check our hand and make sure it's not clenched shut, you know, in our pockets too. Shut and in my pockets. Oh, he says, don't do that. Open your hand. And God just does it. Open it. Open it wide, he says. And the passage tells us, you know, don't just give what the poor person needs. Give him what he wants. So after we check our heart in our hand, God calls us to check our eyebrow, you know, and make sure, look in the mirror, and, and, and make sure we're not like this. Well, you know. So Paul meant when he said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, this I say, he which sowing sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, not with furled eyebrows, or of necessity, I gotta do it. But God loves a cheerful giver. And he's able to make, you know what he's going to do? He's able to make all grace abound toward you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So we say, why? Why should we do this? Because of a specific promise in Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord. And that which he hath given, will he pay him again? 
That poor person can't pay you, but God can. And God says, put it on my account. Put it on my account, I'll pay you back. Giving to the poor is giving to the Lord. And God says, I will pay it back. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.